Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your best friend. I'm sitting here with someone that I have been trying to get back on the podcast for a long time, but she's very busy, but we finally found a time. Hello and welcome back, Nikki Glazer. Thanks so much for having me, Allison Rosen. I love you. I love you. We love each other and I love so that. So much. <laughs> I had so much fun with you. You came on my show a couple weeks ago and... Um, you were just amazing, and I instantly remembered how much I love you, and I was like, I, I need more of this girl in my life. I started reading your book, which I'm not, I haven't been good about, but like when I do, I'm just like, wow, she is like writing my brain. It was, oh, thank you. It's so good, dude. So good. Thank You're you so a really, really good writer, and it like made me want to like. You know, it it made me first discouraged because I'm like, God, I need to work on my writing because it's clear it's clear you write and you're a writer. Like you're not just some comedian or some podcaster who's writing because they got a book deal. Like you're a writer. Like that's you're just born Thank with you. it. But it's also something that you can tell you've worked at. Mm. That stuff doesn't come easy, and it takes years of writing a ton of stuff to be a good writer. Like. And I think a lot of people just pick up, get a book deal and think they can just write overnight. And it's it's pros like yours that I'm like, oh, no, this is a learned skill that I need to start practicing if I do write a book. Like, you need to get some pages under your belt. And you certainly have them. Aww. And so I really like your first essay was about um, just holding on to gift cards and oh, yeah. different <laughs> junk in your drawer and thinking that you're going to return something that you never return. And I just never heard that... Um, just specific neurosis uh, articulated <laughs> yes and it was so specific and it's so relatable that we have all this junk in our lives so many junk drawers and so many just dumb chapsticks that i just can't throw out i try to do marie kondo and oh and god that bitch tidy up my life and I, <laughs> I did i purged a lot but i still struggle with it like letting go of things and then i just hold on to trash because i feel bad about creating trash yes so now i just keep trash with me yes in my purse first of all thank you so much that is like the Mm. nicest uh, review of my book thank you thank you thank you um yes i never realized i think until i lived in new york that it's not that easy to get rid of trash often like new york makes it very there's a lot of rules about when and how Mm. and so that's an yeah there's like an impediment to even getting rid of stuff Yes. And but, but also I can't get rid of stuff. Even when I go through all my stuff and I collect jackets and stuff that I'm not wearing anymore and I get it all together, then that bag sits in my apartment mm-hmm. for a really long time. And then eventually I but then you have to take it somewhere and then you see the girl at Buffalo Exchange going through everything and you go, Oh no, I like that jacket. You I start know. second guessing things. Yeah. I I now I'm lucky enough to have an assistant where I just go, here's the bag, get it out of here as soon as I'm done. Like, and Amazing. I don't care where you go dump it, but I'm not dumping it because I can't. I just, I have a lot of guilt about trash too, mm-hmm. about making trash. And anytime I put a cup in a waste bin, I just feel awful or I get Starbucks four times a day. So I create that much trash because <laughs> they don't refill your cup unless you have one of the refillable cups. And- oh, really? It's just there's we're all making so much trash and I'm so depressed by all of it. It's my number one anxiety. Um, 
You also have an anxiety about <laughs> mistreatment of animals. Yes, it all connects. And I think we talked about this. I know we talked about this a bit when I was on your show. Mm-hmm. But just looking at your Instagram lately, I've yeah. been thinking that... Um, and I told I told you this when I was on your show. Like when I was kind of in the depths of my postpartum depression, I was plagued constantly with thoughts of innocent creatures and people being hurt. Yeah. And a therapist was like, don't click on the animal stories. Yeah. Don't click on the animal stories. And I always remember that because I'm so tempted. I don't know why it's so tempting to read about awful animal stories. It's I like, don't read it. I see the headline, but I never read. Like I never go in and read the actual what is happening. Like I'll read that like, oh, some people were taking pictures of a moose and chased it into a river and then right. it drowned. Like I'll read that and be like bummed out. And I know that stuff's happening and I I do feel like it is my responsibility to see it and to put it out there just to be like, because if one person that sees that on my Instagram story just decides not to take a picture of a wild animal right. when it's in distress, then I've done my job to communicate that out there and I need to get it out there. Like I think it's, there's a responsible on there's responsibility on myself to, because I care so much about that stuff, to get it out there and to, and to see it and go through it. But I am not someone that could ever run a rescue organization and go into a hoarder's house and like mm-hmm. see the it firsthand. So, right. and and I I deal with it responsibly now because I can go into a really dark place with it. And if I'm suffering from depression, I have to completely avoid it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not right now. But like at the end of my night, I always read reddit as like a soothing mechanism to get me to just at the end of my night it's like a treat for myself i get to go on reddit and like i have all my things that i'm subscribed to all my subreddits of my of my interests and one of them is vegan and sometimes animal cruelty stuff comes up in there and um and i collect all the stuff that i'm gonna post on my instagram story like while i'm in bed and then the next day i'll screenshot it and then the next day i'll post it and stuff so it sometimes it'll come out like a purge of like i'm like going through something but it's collected stuff over an uh, a long amount of time right. that i decide to just dump out when i'm having one of those moments where i'm like okay the world's fucked and then, <laughs> but it is it is um it is a total it's it's so triggered by my depression and my anxiety is like that's what i go to is i feel like it's like emotional for me it's like emotional cutting yeah like why is this res i mean first of all it should resonate with every human being on some level but for me why why is it resonating so deeply and i like i'm back in it a little bit with when my son will all of a sudden like start make like he (laughs) for some reason he goes like he'll just he'll just like it's that word and he says it loudly what is it like he's he's just learning to talk it's just sound but just a sound yes, yeah. yes, yes but it's like but i've noticed like oh there's he for some reason he likes making that particular sound like abia and if he's just like all of a sudden he'll just like say it loudly or he's like being kind of loud and then, <laughs> this is so dark but then i just think what happened to kids? And please, no one send me information. I already know it didn't yeah. turn out well. But like, what happened to kids this age in the concentration camps if they were being loud? You know, because like they didn't understand the situation that they were yeah. in. And then I start to think like at the beginning, a lot of the Jews in the concentration camp, I'm sure didn't under. I know we know they didn't understand the situation they were in, and they were probably demanding certain treatment, which they were. You know. Just my brain just goes goes to such a dark place, and totally. I don't understand why it's triggered by by certain 
by my it's triggered by watching my son go through the different stages yeah you just have a bigger heart when you i think when i got dogs my heart opened in a Mm. way that i did wasn't before and i think it also coincided with me um like weaning myself off of zoloft which kind of numbed out my empathy and my feelings right and but then when i got dogs you just suddenly see your dogs and everything and you probably see your son in everything like literally I saw a cockroach the other night and it reminded me of my dog, Marion, just the way it was kind of like ambling, like just like bumbling. And I was just like, <laughs> usually I would like be okay with someone stomping that, but I like protected this cockroach because right. I'm like, it has a personality. That thing clearly is different than other cockroaches. Mm-hmm. And like, I could be that cockroach someday. I'm like, it just, it, you just oh, start having too much empathy. And I think is a great thing to have is empathy, obviously, but it's also really um you know they say veterinarians are like the highest suicide for really? any profession and it used to be everyone always thinks it's dentists but it's vet it's vets from from what i've heard it's it's veterinarians because um they get into it because they love animals and all they, they do save. is kill animals because Ugh. they have to put down animals yeah. so like the thing you're in it for the good and you only see bad because people are only bringing you sick animals and so Ugh. they get really depressed and it's like and yeah just i I have to like shut off my feelings sometimes. It was much easier when I was not empathetic and when I was just like when you're on Zoloft. When I had my blinders on to just like I'm living my life and my experience is my experience and that's the same experience that everyone else has and that that's right. how it's so comfortable. And that was when you were on Zoloft or did you spend a period of time like that? I think I was raised with not a lot of empathy from my parents having they they weren't raised with empathy so they didn't know how to model it to me Mm -hmm. and so i don't think i grew up really thinking about other people or other like you hear walk in someone else's shoes but you don't really get that i didn't it didn't resonate with me and then i just think that i i think it was a mixture of having dogs and caring for something and being like a mother type figure Mm -hmm. to something for once in my life and also um, being off an antidepressant that I was on since I was a young right. adult and and then suddenly being flooded with emotions that I was like, what are these? And just really s- struggling with them because you just get so – you just want to shake everyone and be like, why don't you feel this way about people? And why don't you feel this way about animals? And how can you let this happen? And and But I'm also a hypocrite because I don't – I'm not out on like – I'm not – out saving whales like I sh- maybe should be or like I do my best but like it's not really it's no I'm not doing my best my best is like doing a lot more but I'm selfish and I like to drink Starbucks four times a day so I'm creating four <laughs> cups of trash that will will outlive me these cups <laughs> they're your children these cups we they they they're are your I'm giving everything to these cups but literally do you know that every diaper you've ever used you, that your parents use on you still exists I did planet know that. I didn't it's know true. That. And everyone listening, any diaper that was ever used on you as a baby still is somewhere on this planet. Think about that. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Cuz they don't biodegrade. And so they're still around somewhere. I oh that's that's, crazy. that's the kind of thing through so we go th- I mean we go through last now but like you go through a lot of diapers. You go through so, but like I go to I went to Target last weekend and I was just like overwhelmed with like all of this stuff is going to be in a landfill because yeah. it's all doesn't last that long. It's all, all the packaging is certainly going to be in a landfill quicker than I can even imagine. Everything, everything's so packaged, everything like, well, it's just so we are so in o- over our heads with garbage. Mm-hmm. I'm so over it, but you can't avoid it. No, everything is packaged. 
Do you feel like having this level of empathy and anxiety is my word that I'm applying to it? OCD. All this. Do you feel like this is like you are seeing things clearly or do you feel like you're this is depression or both? I think it's both. But I think it's um yeah, it's it's not a good way to live because I'm not living my happiest self by focusing mm-hmm. on the stuff, but I also do think I'm seeing it clearly. And that's the danger is like cuz I was pretty depressed in December, January, like I I faced like r- depression where I'm like I need to like do something. Like mm-hmm. I need to tell I was telling people how I was feeling cuz I was like someone might might need to stop step in and like good hurt like I mean good that save me from people. myself. Yeah, cuz I don't want to like I think that there are some of us and I think I'm a person that has whatever people who kill themselves have. Like mm. I have that, I have that kind of depression and it's like having a disease. It's like having a, an illness that you might die from it, but you might not like, mm. and I don't want to die from it, but I do relate to people that kill themselves. I get it. I've been, I've felt those feelings. What, what do you relate to about it? Um, I relate to it just making so much sense. <laughs> Like it being like, I don't, I I relate to it feeling like a good option. I relate to that feeling. I don't feel that now and I can't get there even if I tried, but like I've been there where I'm like, oh my God, it makes so much sense. Is That's so interesting to me Um, because I have been so depressed that I have not cared what happened to me and thought like while I'm driving, like, oh, I could be really careless and I don't care, but I've never... Except when I was young and mad at my parents, I remember like being so angry and like, yeah. you'll be, you'll be, so, you would be so sorry if I did something. But as an adult, I have not gotten to that because I think I'm just like greedy about wanting to see what's going to happen. So thankfully, I have not lost, like, I'm always like, but I, I got to see how this is going to end. You know? Yes. But, but. So when when you say it makes sense to you, is it that like an end to the pain or like the world will be better off or? It's like, I just don't want to be a part of all of this anymore. Like it's too painful. Like mm-hmm. the like when I was really deep in it in January, it was like, I don't want to be in a world where animal, like where yeah. people hate animals so much. I'm like sick of it. I'd, le- I'd like to be on the other side of it with all the dead animals and like being like what the fuck was that right like because in my mind that's when i'm in that state i'm like that's that's what i want to get out of is like this thing i can't change animals are going to continue dying i can't handle the fact that they are and that no one's doing anything about it and that it seems imminent that the world is ending Mm -hmm. and i'd like to just get on the other side of it before ever before shit really starts to go down before there's a fucking super volcano or whatever the climate change thing is going to bring about the end of the world like i just want to be on the other side of it is is was my thought but also i really was exploring it because i was like what is because i've always i had a friend kill himself Mm -hmm. when i was in high school and i think ever since then i've been kind of like fascinated by suicide and um and glorified it a, a bit where I'm like, wow, people that do it, I'm like, they did it. Like, I kind of am like, God, I could never do that. Like, I, and I, I'm so reticent to, to admit that that is mm-hmm. my feeling about it. But I think that there are people out there that are listening to this being like, yeah, I've thought that before too. Like, you glorify people that are able to do it because it is, it's, do you know what it is? And I, this is what I figured out. When someone kills themselves, you're like, you were in the most pain and you proved it. 
we finally understood how right. much pain you were in because you could you could talk about being in pain. You could go away to rehab. You could go um, to a mental clinic. You could be institutionalized. You, you could do so many things to prove that you're in pain and to, to let people know how bad you're feeling. But the people that kill themselves is like, oh, wow. Well, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And so now everyone in their life, to me as a depressed person, it's you you're it's not that you're going like fuck you mom and dad you're just like see did you not see how much pain i was in you didn't know because mm-hmm. there's no way for me to tell you now you know and now it's too late and i i think that there's something about being able to finally get that point across and that's really the only way to do it it feels like sometimes because you tell people you're sad and they go well it think of it'll get better or mm. the, the the thing platitudes people say yeah. to to help you cuz they don't relate and they don't know how to relate and you know like i my depression led to me getting anorexia and which led to me getting more depressed and all these things and i was eventually hospitalized for it and that felt a little bit like see everyone i'm fucking sick thank you someone acknowledged mm-hmm. it a, someone had to inter- a doctor had to intervene and be like you're not leaving this hospital cuz you're going to die someone finally put me in a position where I'm like, yeah, you, you don't, you're not in a hospital unless you're very sick, but everyone in my life was not acknowledging it, including myself. And it just feels good to be like, to validate that like I'm sick Mm -hmm. because you don't have a physical condition to prove it. So would you say it is a, on some level about wanting to be understood and seen? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably it. I mean, it's like you just, I think the motivation for me would be I'm tired of this and I'm life is too hard and the road ahead seems too hard and all like you just can't imagine doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that's the the slog of life. Like I think that's when I've been the most depressed when I've been like I just want to die and I've never even taken the first step towards killing myself like not yeah. even like you know you never had a plan. No, no, never never had a plan but like what happens to me is that when I was in the worst of it, it like it's just my constant thought. Like every time I close my eyes, it's like you should kill yourself. Literally that sentence. And it's not even like I conjure it and I'm like, oh, I'm going to think about killing myself. It is like and I've said this a bunch. It's like the sniffles when you are getting a cold. Mm-hmm. It's like sniffles start happening and you're like, I'm getting sick. That's when when I have a thought that's like you should kill yourself. I go, I need to start meditating more. I need to go to therapy. I right. need to I need to figure out because that is the symptom that I'm gonna get a cold. And if I get a cold, I don't trust it. And then but thank then, God. Then, I mean, thank God that you have that that awareness that like these are not healthy thoughts. Yeah, but then like you were saying before, which is like, do you sometimes think that you are just seeing things clearly? Because when you're that sick where you want to kill yourself, you're not seeing things clearly. We can right. all agree that on that but when you're in it there was a point that I got so far in it in January that I remember being like I don't want to fix this because I'm 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 enlightened like I was starting to feel like schizophrenic kind of like oh you know like this is actually the truth and I don't want to be I don't want to get back on Zoloft because then I won't want to be anesthetized yeah but instead of getting back on Zoloft I just started meditating and it really had the same effect that Zoloft had on me for decades so if i meditate i do i don't get depressed it just works like it i'm terrified of the day that it stops working because then i'll go back on zoloft or whatever but like right now it it really works for me to to meditate twice a day and then it keeps those thoughts Mm -hmm. completely at bay but are you in therapy 
Yeah, I, the thing is, I'm like between therapists right now. I've been like looking so much for a um, a new one. The one that I just was going to was just. I would get done with it and I would be like, it just felt like I was talking to a friend yes. like at a, l- a lunch that I just told a bunch of stories that I didn't really even work through anything. She didn't make me think of it in a different way. I've had therapists before that are really great and I've had really shitty ones and I think that's the thing that sucks about it is that so many of them are bad mm-hmm. and people go to therapy, they finally get into therapy and they get a bad one and then they never go back. But it's like dating. You have to keep looking. Right. And um but what I'm really interested in now is uh I want to go into uh I want to try like mushrooms and like psychedelics to treat uh depression. Have you ever done stuff. that? I've done mushrooms once, but like I want to do it in a uh, with a shaman and like mm-hmm. a really like very someone to like hold my hand through the process of like cuz I I believe that that's almost I think that can be better than talk therapy yeah. like I've read the stuff about it ketamine have you yes. heard about that yes that's like really helpful and then also have you heard of transcranial magnetic stimulation no TMS TMS um the psychiatrist that I went to who put me on Lexapro mm-hmm. because I had never been on anything yeah um and then for me those like constant holocaust constant dogs being experimented on thoughts that was my version of like I should kill myself in that yes. I was like okay so it was more than that though it was just like every like I'd be in I constantly was thinking of things that could happen and or had this, happened. Yeah, had the happened. Past. You can't change the past. You literally no. can't change the past. No, but like I would constantly be th- like I'd be in the kitchen Ugh. cutting something and then I think I'd imagine like yourself. Just and, no. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd imagine like oh, this sounds so dark, but like no. you know, like just babies being hurt. Like yes. con- constant baby and not yep. me hurting them, no. but just yep. the like the fragility and but it was like eventually I'm just like, okay, these are not normal healthy thoughts. Right. Yeah, this yeah. isn't a functioning human thought. This is only This is something something's not running That's right. so good that you recognize yeah. that because it can feel like, well, I'm just thinking of things that are real right. and that are happening. So why should I well, so much horrible stuff and atrocity has happened in this world and happens all the time you know so like yep. on the this that's the thing is like you can be like it's meaningless and we're all gonna die and the thing is like that's actually true yeah <laughs> it's just not an effective it's not a helpful outlook i think that we have to block out some of that fundamental existential truth in order to lead our lives and to not be miserable i think that I- I bring, I find that it is very helpful to know that I'm going to die someday and none of this matters. Like that actually soothes my thoughts about animals being hurt right now because I'm like, okay, they're just going to die eventually and then they're going to be on the other side of it, like like whatever heaven is for them or just non-existence or whatever. And then the pain will be over. Like all of this pain will be over at some point and that soothes me that someday I will die. Like a lot of times dying can make I know a lot of comedians and, uh, you know, just people that like are consumed by like what happens when you die. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't have those fears. Like dying for me, I like am excited. I'm not excited about tomorrow, but like Mm -hmm. the fact that this doesn't go on forever, like there's, it brings me peace for some reason. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like I, I find that nihilism is like a very comforting idea that none of it matters and that we're all going to be forgotten. Like I, I constantly remind myself, especially with career stuff that happens yeah. that you think is so big. I'm like, Obama is going to be forgotten someday. Like literally Lincoln, like the world will explode. Everything will die. Like 
and we w- I will be just as remembered as him. And that's yeah. crazy. It is. But it's sometimes like when I get so bent out of shape over something that is like imaginary that happened online or something, you yeah. know, then I'm just like yeah. on my deathbed. Am I going to remember this? Yes. <laughs> um, but so transcranial. So anyway, my psychiatrist yeah. that I went to who I like a lot, he does this. I never did it. Um, it's like very expensive and it's for severe depression. But somehow they like put something on your head and they with with some sort of magnetic stimulus they like stimulate little parts of the brain and it's he he's like a true believer in it like it has this profound effect i think neil brennan also i was gonna say neil brennan i think he talks about it yeah um i don't know that's just something because he was he kept like he's just seen amazing results it freaks me out because in my head i'm like it's like shock therapy it's like shock therapy but it's like i mean first of all shock therapy has changed a lot and that has helped a lot of people too yeah but um but apparently it's i don't know if the mechanism might be similar but like you're wide awake when you do it they don't have to you know you don't have to be asleep you can drive right after it doesn't seem to you might have a headache but i don't think it has a side effect i don't know it's just i am open to all and any of that but like the stuff i've heard about ayahuasca and mushrooms and dmt and like what it's done for survivors of war like with ptsd Mm -hmm. men who have been in therapy for a decade coming out of whatever they experienced and and have have made strides in their lives through talk therapy, but then they do one trip of ayahuasca and they are fixed. That's amazing. Fixed. Like there's a Rolling Stone article about it that really convinced me. If you just look up DMT Rolling Stone and read the the article about psychedelics and how it treats mental illness, it's like, I think it is the, it's the future um, Mm. of that. And I'm really interested in doing it. And I'm, yeah, I'm just like, uh, right now I'm just, meditating has really changed my life and made me realize that like if I if I'm work on being present and working on all this mindfulness that that is where true happiness and human contentment Mm -hmm. lies is like being mindful and so I'm like I'm so into all of it I'm in to all this new agey shit I'm not buying crystals or any what I think is bs like that but I think that meditating is like the greatest thing that could ever happen to anyone. And it is some, it is like a superpower. I feel like I have a superpower because I can meditate. My husband and I are going to do it. We, um, cause you do TM, right? Yeah. Yeah. We looked into, we're, I, we're going to sign up. We just haven't gone yet. Cause you we're got, in the midst of moving, I cannot but, wait till you yeah. do it because it is just, once you have it, you have like this tool in your back pocket that you can break out any time and like get back to, a place where like if you're feeling anxiety you can just like say your mantra a couple times and it'll like slow your breathing and get you back to a place where you can like handle the situation in a way that you know taking deep breaths or do it any other calming technique you have like this one trumps them all and I use it all the time and I just my life has like changed since doing it and it's just such a simple thing to do and I'm so into it and it's like and I'm into a lot of things. Like I spout off about veganism and, and not drinking. I don't give a fuck if you drink or eat meat. Meditate. That is the number one thing that will change your life. And it's free once you learn how to do Like the course is money, mm-hmm. but there's other ways to do it that are free. And it is a free thing you can learn how to do and, and treat your depression, anxiety, whatever you have. And it it's it's out there. And you just 
have to try and it takes a little bit of effort, but not much. And once you get into it, it that's the problem is like people I don't I think with anxiety and depression they are like I don't want to spend 20 minutes alone with my thoughts mm-hmm. it's the scariest thing I relate to that it sucks but I swear to God once you start doing it and you feel how good it feels and it doesn't feel like 20 minutes alone with your thoughts which is like what I thought it would feel like and what everyone thinks it would feel like it is not that and it is also not an absence of thoughts because that also seems like well how am I going to have no thoughts right it's not that either so whatever preconceived notions you have about meditation just like leave them behind and look into it because good lord it is awesome and like just gives you it's it's a superpower I really feel like it's but everyone should be doing it. Everyone should try to do it. I'm so glad to hear you're going to – I'm excited to yeah. hear what you um, – and I bet you're going to get your son into it. Like people should get their kids into it early. I wish I would have been doing this my whole life. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I have such an advantage now that I didn't before. I'm excited to get yeah. into it. Maybe his mantra can be a bia, his word. Oh my it God, almost sounds, sounds like, like he's like saying abisa, like abisa. abisa. Yeah, maybe he – I love that. <laughs> That's what he's into. Um, okay, so – I have a lot of questions from people that they sent in on Patreon and Twitter, but there's something I've been dying to ask you about, Ooh. which is the first time you came. Yeah. The first time you did my show, we talked about like a bad news guy that you had been involved Ooh. with. And I, and I, I and I've had probably 10 since then. Right. Mm. I know who it is though, because Ooh. you told me off mic who it is. And now he's one of your best friends, mm. Pete. Pete Lee. Yes, and I think so. What's the story with all of that? I can't quite remember the details. Okay, of why so he was I'll give so the very, very uh, short story. But it is a gr- it is a great story. And if you want, there's um, several different. Uh, we actually told the story together on a podcast called Keeping Joe. So if you Google Keeping Joe, Nikki, Pete, that episode, you can hear the whole story. And people have said it's like the craziest thing <laughs> I've ever heard. But let me give me give the abridged version. Um. Because it's insane. So Pete Lee and I met when I was in college. I had started comedy in college. I was a senior in college. I um, was at the local club in Kansas City uh, where I would go on the weekends. And this weekend, there was Harlan Williams was headlining and Pete Lee was the feature act, which was like the, the guy in town doing the middle act. I didn't know who Pete was at all. I go to the club. I'm going to do a guest set, a five-minute set before the feature act, which was a normal thing to do at the local club. And I go that night, and uh, I go on – before the show, I meet Pete in the back of the green room, and I walk into the screen room, and I literally turn the corner, and I remember – like, we locked eyes, and it was like – the feeling of love at first sight. Mm-hmm. Like I remember what he was doing. He was like eating a salad. He was like scraping a salad off a plate into his mouth, like a, a shovel. <laughs> and he, he froze. And I was like, hi. And he was like, hi. And I was like, I'm Nikki. Like we had a, the, a movie moment. And then I go on stage and then I get off stage and then I go watch him from the back of the room. And on stage, he talks about having a girlfriend and he goes, and he made a joke that he was like, but on, she says on Wednesdays, I can cheat on her. And it was a Wednesday. <laughs> uh-huh. And I real and I just go, this guy's going to cheat on his girlfriend with me. Like, I just know it. Like he already put it out there. He did yeah. that joke so that I would hear it. We had a connection. We hang out. He ends up cheating on her. We spend a weekend together. We fall madly in love, like instantly. And, um, and over the, and he's lives in New York and um and i'm graduating in a month or two months and um and i fell madly in love with him over the weekend we spend three nights in a row together i do not sleep with him i've only slept with one person at this point and had sex one time i think one or two times and um so i wasn't gonna sleep with him and then 
he left that he left Kansas City to go to a college on Monday night nearby. He had like a college planned for um, that Monday. So on Monday, he left and drove to a college in Iowa, I think. And I and he was flying out of Kansas City in the morning. And I was like, if you fly back to Kansas City, if you drive back tonight in the middle of the night instead of like coming back tomorrow morning, I'll fuck you. So he drove through the night after his college show. He shows up in the rain at my apartment in college in Lawrence, Kansas. And we go into my apartment. We have sex. And uh, he gives me my first orgasm, oh, which, wow. by the way, like that. I know um, your dog responded to that. <laughs> I know I had wasn't a person. I wasn't like I didn't masturbate or anything. So that was the first time I'm like, oh, my God, what was that feeling? I am desperately in love with him at this point. I mean, we had sex. I was like sober for it. Like everything is clicking. We're we're saying I love you. Like it is mm-hmm. intense. He wakes up that night. He tells the story, but he said he woke up that night and I was just staring at him sleeping. Like <laughs> I was obsessed with him. So then he leaves to go back to New York. He has a girlfriend who he's just been dating for like two months, I think, at this point. And he's like, I'm going to break up with her. Things aren't good. We're already at that point two months in where it's like it's do or die. And, and it's, it's die because I just met you and we're going to be together. And I'm going to graduate college and I'm going to go live in New York with him. And we're going to begin our lives together. You say he was only two months in with this relationship? Yes. yes. So it was so like new. is new and it wasn't even going that well. It was like at a bad point. And that's and he's not like a che- he's not like a guy that cheated a lot like or whatever. Like he was like this whatever it does mm-hmm. there's no it doesn't matter but um so he goes back and we're still talking on the phone all the time and i'm waiting for him to break up with her and he's not breaking up with her he's like she's being really great i just like i thought i would get back and we get in a fight and there would be a reason and you know i don't want it to to tell her about you and i just want it to happen naturally and it wasn't happening and so it got to the point where i was like well you need to break up with her or we're not i i'm not talking to you anymore until you break up with her so like next time i hear from you that'll be mm-hmm. you telling me you broke up with her a month and a half passes like mm. where I don't talk to him. And I'm like, oh, he finally calls me on my birthday and is like, I'm like, you did it. And he's like, I just wanted to say happy birthday. I'm so sorry. I, I, I can't. I'm, I'm not breaking up with her. Ugh. She found out about me. She she was very cool about it. She was like, I get it. Like, we're not in a good spot. You cheated. You need to choose her or me, but it's not going to be both of us. And you need to make a choice. And he was living with her like they were not living with her, but he was like in New York like she was around. They were mm-hmm. back in it. He chose her. He calls me, breaks up with me. And I say to him on the phone, like, I will never speak to you again. Like, this is the most I've ever been hurt by anyone. And I'm mad I ever met you. And goodbye forever. Hung up the phone. I was devastated for years, like so, so in love with him. Thought he was the rest of my life. And then. I really was like, I'll never talk to him again. And I was like, and this guy thinks I'm just some open micer in the Midwest that's like not going to be in comedy and in his sphere. Uh He's fucking wrong. (laughs) Because over the next 10 years, I uh, got to a place where I was living in New York where I saw him a lot and he would, we would just avoid each other. And when we did see each other, I would, I would just be cold to him. Like I wouldn't even talk to him. I'd, I'd ignore him. He was terrified of me, like terrified. He married that girl. What? Married her. Uh, then they got divorced. And this is like eight years later, they get divorced after that all happened. And um, and I hear he got divorced and I'm like, yes. Ha-ha. <laughs> so so you, you carried this vendetta for- forever. Yeah. 
I would see him around town. Like one time I was filming my show, Nikki and Sarah live. And we were in this one building, um, Viacom building. And he was on best week ever. And we were shooting on the same floor. And I heard that like best week ever was there. And I was like, Oh my God, Pete Lee's going to be here. I was in a makeup chair and he was in the one next to me. <laughs> and I, at so, and I was loving it. Cause I knew how uncomfortable I made uh-huh. him. And I was in the position of power, you know? And I, I walked out of the room. He said, he said, he told me later on that I was like, hi, Pete. And I just walked by and he said that his makeup artist goes like ringed her hands like, what was that? The tension in this room was terrible. And he's like, she hates me. I can't go into it. So then he gets divorced. He starts dating someone new. Um, I see him one night. This all comes to a head at like eight and a half years, nine years in, um, I'm at the stand one night at Comedy Club in New York, and he is emceeing. He's the host, and he has to bring me up. And I'm like, we are going to be forced to at least shake hands. This Mm -hmm. is going to be weird. And so he's like, Nikki Glaser. And I walk on stage, and I go, this is not ideal. And then I shake his (laughs) hand, and then I do my set. And then I got home, and I had an email from him that was the subject was, this is not ideal. (laughs) And he wrote, hey, I never reached out to you after that day in June in 2006. And I apologize, but it was like a pact I made with – a promise I made to my mm. now ex-wife that I like wouldn't talk to you anymore and I'm really sorry and obviously we're done now and so I would love to get coffee with you and like tell you how sorry I am because I really regret how I hurt you and I would like to be friends and I was like still fucking mad at him so I was like no way we're not friends not happening I just said you know what I know you want closure. Let's consider this closure. I don't hate you, but I don't want to be friends with you and I don't want to know you. I was still very mean mm-hmm. and really curt and terse in the in the um in my response and I was really proud of it too. I was like I'm still a fucking bad bitch. <laughs> and I really like sl- just like shut him down. I was like, "So consider this closure, Pete Lee." <laughs> and um and then he broke up with then I was I was also in a relationship at that time. I broke up with my boyfriend. I got into another thing. Um and I was still seeing Pete around town and I would I wouldn't be mean to him, but I was not talking to him mm-hmm. and I was still making it very uncomfortable for him because he needed to suffer for eleven years after <laughs> he hurt me. So then one night I was at the stand, the same club, and he was in the back, and whenever he was there, I would just like let him be with the other comics and I would isolate because I'm like, it's my choice that I'm not being nice to him. Mm-hmm. So I would always just kind of like go in the corner and be like, I'll let him have his friends. And that night, um, also coincided with the fact that a guy had really hurt me recently, like re- almost more than he did almost. And um, and I was so mad at this new guy that, that at some point in the conversation that they were having, one of the people asked me, like shouted across the room, was like, Nikki, what do you think about this? And I kind of joined their conversation and I walked across the room and at one point Pete said something and I looked at him and I was like, God, I don't hate him. For some reason I'm looking him in the eyes and I don't hate I'm not filled with this Pete Lee rage that has mm. been my trademark for 10 years. <laughs> and I realized it was because I hated someone new. And I, I'm, I'm polyamorous with love. Like, I think I can love more than one man, but I can't hate more than one man, I learned. And so I just looked at him and I was like, yeah, I'm ready to like be friends with this guy. So I went home that night and I think I wrote him an email that night that was like, oh, no, no, no. I think I waited until I found out he was single again because I was like, maybe I'll fuck him again. Mm-hmm. Like, because I was single and I was like, we obviously have that connection. Right. And Maybe there's something here again. And he apologized really nicely in that email. I already, I don't hate him anymore. It's really lifted. For some reason, it lifted. So I reached out to him. I thought he was single. He was not. He was still dating this girl who was like really scary and crazy. And um, 
I, I wanted her out of the way before I reached out to him, but I didn't realize she wasn't out of the way. So I reached out and was like, hey, I'm in L.A. I hear you're in L.A. Let's get lunch. I'm ready to have that coffee. And he was like, um, I'm really busy. And I was like, oh, he's still dating her because there's no way he wouldn't mm-hmm, drop everything right. to hang out with me. Like, I just know that it's there. We still want to be close to each other so badly. So then I, I ran into him that week. That, it was funny because in that email, I was like, well, I'm busy too. And he goes, maybe I'll see you at the clubs. I'm running my set for The Tonight Show. And I was like, well, I'm not doing sets this week because I'm working on something else and I'm very busy. <laughs> and then that night I went and did a set and he was there with her and it was so humiliating. So I was like, my whole thing was shot. But anyway, he ended up, um, they like, they, we ended up being, starting to text and stuff like as friends because we ran into to each other at a show later on and, um, we developed like a friendship on the phone. Like we were both on the road and we were talking all the time on the phone. This is last year, like at this time last year. And we were talking like every day, every night. We were both like he, his relationship wasn't going great, but like it wasn't going terrible. It wasn't with go- the scary girl. Yeah. With a scary girl. It wasn't going well. Um, and, um, and he was talking to me all the time, but it was not sexual. We weren't doing anything indecent. But at some point I go, listen, we're becoming really emotionally dependent on each other, texting all the time. Whenever I don't hear from you, it's because you're with her. And I just feel weird about it. And I don't mm-hmm. want to do the same thing that we were doing before. So um, I have a feeling that I'm not in your phone as Nikki. Like, I have a feeling that you, like, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, she doesn't know about me. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're right. You're, you're in my phone as Josh. And I'm like, <laughs> I knew that. And I go, well, until I go, when you break up with her, we can be friends again. But until then, whatever this is has to stop because it just feels weird. And I go, so I'll hear from you in two weeks because there's you're getting all the emotional support you need mm-hmm. from me and none from her. So as soon as I take that table leg out, your table's going to fall. And of course, he, in two weeks, he goes, we broke up. And I wrote back, ha, 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 because I knew it was something. And he's like crying about his breakup. And I'm like, she sucks. Like, like, and I, And so that night, I was single. He got single. And I go... This is last October. I go, let's um, let's meet up and have sex. Like, I know we haven't even talked about this, but like, that's kind of what I think we're headed towards anyway. So like, let's. I I literally said to him, let's meet up and project our feelings about our breakups onto each other sexually. And he was like, great. And I go, <laughs> where are you this weekend? He's like, Chicago. I was looking at flights. It didn't work out, but the next weekend he was going to be in L.A. So he flies to L.A. to meet me the next weekend. I give I gave my doggos away for the night. I got a babysitter. I had my little bag packed. I had to shoot a show. And right from when the show wrapped, I was going to go straight to his hotel and we were going to like hook up. And that was like kind of the the idea of the day. So I get there earlier, though, he landed in L.A. and I went to lunch with him before my shoot. So we had mm-hmm. lunch Then I was going to be busy. And then that night I was going to stay the night at his hotel. So when we had lunch, he had just gotten off the plane and he gets to lunch and he's like, yeah, I actually told our whole story to this girl I was sitting next to on the plane. Like this girl and I like kind of chatted up and um, I told her the whole story and she's like, she wants to hear all about it. And I'm t- and I was like, he likes this girl. Like I wasn't feeling threatened at all, but I was right. like, this, why is he telling me about yeah. a fucking girl that he met on a plane when we're supposed to hook up tonight? Right. I wasn't offended by it, but I was mm-hmm. just like, he, like we had been so close over these months of talking on the phone that I just like knew something was up right. with this girl. But I also was like, I, all I wanted to do was have sex with him. I didn't even think about a relationship. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we're just going to be good at that again. So then that night I go to his hotel and um, and I get there and I'm like, and we get like high and I'm eating food because I hadn't eaten since before the shoot and he ordered me room service and I'm sitting there eating and I'm like, hi. And I'm like, I just go, Pete, I know what's like in the air, like what's supposed to happen, but like, I'm not feeling it. Like, I just get like a total fet friend vibe with you and I don't want to, 
make out with you or anything. And I hope you know that that doesn't mean I don't think you're attractive and all those things. Like, I just am not feeling it. And I want to be honest with you. And he's like, I'm not either. And I was like, oh my God, I love this. I go, can I still spend the night? Cause I don't want to go home. And he was like, totally. So Aww. I slept in his bed next to him with my like Bose headphones and my <laughs> sleep mask. He had his sleep apnea machine. And I go, and we're sit- we're sleeping in bed next to each other. We're like getting, we're laughing so hard. Cause we're like, if we would have gotten married, like we had planned on doing back when we met in 2006, yeah. this is where our marriage would be <laughs> right. 10 years later. Fast forward is us like platonically next to each other in a bed. And I was like, this is what it was all meant to lead to anyway. Okay, so cut to we just become best friends after that. Like he's literally my best friend, the greatest person I'll ever know. And it it took me not talking to him for 11 years to realize that. But that girl he met on the plane, he now lives with. Wow. He moved here to L.A. uh, from New York City three months ago. Not even. So he met this girl in October. They met, I think, officially in April because they kept talking uh. after exchanging Instagrams on the plane. She wanted to follow up and be like, she, I, she's one of my best friends now, too. And she's like, wow. she was like, when he told me about you, I was like so interested. And I was like, I followed up like what happened with her? She was like, I didn't even think of him as like a person I would ever date. Uh. So like we she's literally one of my close like one of he's gonna marry her like for sure like they 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 live together now and pete lee doesn't just like live with people it seems like he's one of these people that makes these sporadic choices this is like the love of his life that he met on a plane on his way to fuck me (laughs) which we never even ended up doing and now literally i'm like their third wheel i i i like they're like my mom and dad is how (laughs) i compare them now and they're like my two closest friends and it's 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 just there should be it seems like we should make this a tv show of yes, some sort because she's trying to hook me up with all her friends and i just i might love her more than i love him <laughs> at this point like she's just this really um she's like a service animal like she's i don't really i'm not good with like hugs and people mm-hmm. touching me but she'll just like the first night i met her she just like i was crying about some guy that didn't show up at the comedy cellar that i thought was going to be there like a crush i got excited and all dressed up and he didn't even show up mm-hmm. and she was like can i hold your hand and she just held my hand across the table and like held and i was like so uncomfortable with it and then i just like eased into it and i was like and then i just the waterworks came out i was just crying and then later on she texted me she was like thank you for letting me hold your hand tonight she's like she's a therapist and a nurse practitioner she's amazing but that's our story and that was the guy that i was like i hate pete lee i i hated him did you ever think you would be friends with him again never never hated and he st- he says he still gets a little bit of PTSD when he sees me. Like he gets a little because it was ten years of being like, right. "Is Nikki Glaser going to be there?" And yeah. like scared. And um, and I I uh yeah. And now and then the guy that I hated after that that I hated right more than him. Now I don't hate him anymore. And so and now new, I've I've a shifted. A, yeah, there's a new person I hate. Someone that I dated um, like in the spring of this year who. And dated, meaning, like, we didn't even hook up, but, like, it was headed that way, and he was really leading me down that path, and I was just waiting for him to make the first move, which he was very, like, not, like, this is, like, months of talking to this person. Mm-hmm. It was long distance, and um, and uh, and then eventually I realized, like, oh, he's not taking me seriously, so right. I, I did the same thing to him, which I encourage every woman to do, which is, like, Listen, this is what I want. I want you to be my boyfriend. And if you don't want that, I don't want anything. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to be your colleague. Mm. 
then you get nothing. You know what I want. So until you want that too, nothing. Cut off. For my own safety too, but also to like punish them. Like you don't get to like talk to me on the phone for hours a day and then go fuck someone else. And and that because when they do that, they're never going to fuck you mm-hmm. because they're fucking someone else already. And you're giving them everything they right. need emotionally. Yeah. So why would they ever fuck place. you to fuck? They're in a great place. So take out the table leg, make their table fall. And if and if you mean enough to them, they'll come after you. I did not mean enough to this guy. He has not come after me. But then I've since learned that he's like trying to fuck my friends who are, he met through me like oh. on a night when we were on a date. He met uh, like a 20, I think she's 25. He's way older than me, by the way. And he met a 25-year-old friend of mine who is already my youngest friend anyway. Right. Like I'm not friends with 25-year-old girls, but she's like a cute young girl. He met her and slid into her DMs and she goes, oh yeah, I know. You. She reminded him like, we met the night that you yeah. were with Nikki. And he's like, yeah, I know. And it's like, I heard that and I'm like, you're dead to me. And when I don't like someone... I try to hurt them as much as they've hurt me. When I, I know who this is off mic. Yeah, I'll tell you oh, off mic. I think you'll know. Okay. Yeah, I think you'll know. Um, and I, I'm not, I don't do anything malicious. Like I won't try to like ruin his career mm-hmm. or anything like that. But like, I just want them because I wonder what it comes from. Like, do not cross me. If you hurt me, like you will get, right. I will try to hurt you. And um, emotionally, not, not like career wise. Right. Dig- yeah. Because of the guys in the past have been like, you tried to ruin my career. And I'm like, I never said you weren't funny. I never stopped you from getting an opportunity. I just said to everyone that you are not as good of a person as you present and you hurt me. And I'm, and, and, and guys in the past have been like, but like you, sh- you like, you, you know, um, sullied my name and i'm like yeah but i only told the truth i Mm -hmm. was like and anyone that heard me talk that way about you was probably just like wow he hurt this bitch she loved him a lot because that's what it comes from is like love it's like hating someone that much is like because you cared about them yeah it's rejection yeah so i to any guy that i hate and come after it's just because i loved you (laughs) okay it's just because i at one point take it as a compliment uh that all of this is amazing. I think my <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the Pete Lee story is that you were able to be in the moment enough to be like, while you were high and eating room service, to be like, I don't, I don't feel it. Like I'm impressed by that. I, I think I've spent years. For me, that was drinking. Drinking just blotted out that awareness mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, when I stopped drinking, I was like. Oh my God, all these guys, I wouldn't like, I don't want to hook up with this person, but if I, but if I were drunk, I would like, I've never had this awareness anymore. And I've been sober from alcohol for seven years. And let me just say that, uh, I am also a woman that, and it's such a complex thing because as a woman, sometimes you are with a guy who you like, like I, I went there with the intention of wanting to hook up with him. So I, everything was consensual. I was like, I'm going to get laid tonight. I was excited about it. Sometimes you get there and sometimes you're making out with someone and you're like, uh Oh, I, I like mm-hmm. him and I like making out, but like girls have it in their head that guys have to come every time you are in an apartment alone and there's going to be a sleepover that they're going to have to come. And you right. go, you know the negotiation you make when you're making out with them. Like, okay, what am I going to do to make him come? Yeah. It's the least thing I can do. <laughs> right. Every girl has had that thought. And let me just tell you, girls, any girls listening, it is completely within your right to be like, I'm not feeling this anymore. I have done it so many times recently. It took me until I was 34 years old, but I have had many a hookup this year where I, they'll be fingering me or something. And I'm like, 
I don't want to blow them. I don't want to fuck them. I don't want to give them a handjob. I don't want to even see their penis. And so I don't. And I tell them, listen, I'm just not feeling this. And guess what, girls? They keep texting me. They still want to hang out. Don't don't blow someone out of obligation mm-hmm. ever. You don't have to. They, Isn't it funny that we all think we do? We all or do. Whether, whether I, it's, I still will. Yeah. I know that I will be in situations coming up where I will do something out of obligation because the guy will just have smooth talked me in a way yeah. or or I feel like I've led him on in a way right. you don't wanna, that he's yeah. expecting it. And if I don't do it, then I'm a disappointment. Mm. Disappoint these men. They can always jerk off when you leave. Yeah. They can always jerk off when you leave. And let me just tell you, it works to your advantage to not <laughs> fuck them it it always it never doesn't work to not fuck them Mm -hmm. they will always still want to talk to you later i because i would have thought for years if i don't fuck a guy if i don't blow a guy that they'll think i'm a cock tease they'll be angry at me all these things that maybe if you don't even cognizant like actually think he's gonna think these things there's just some pressure what is the pressure to blow a guy it's that if he doesn't come, he's going to be mad at you. Yeah. I honestly you're gonna think be it is. A it's like a deep down sort of fear of what the reaction is going to be if you don't. Let's take it back, girls. Yeah. I swear to God, it's my new thing. I hooked up with a guy. I've talked about this a lot on different podcasts, but I'm just so proud of myself. <laughs> and the guy and I are still talking and I like this guy and I'm so fucking into this guy. He's so hot. We hooked up. I went, we were staying at the same hotel because we were doing an event together. We went, we, our hotel's rooms were adjoining. We didn't know until we walked up <laughs> together in the elevator and we're, we're going up to our rooms. I'm like, oh my God, our rooms are next to each other. We go in my room. I get naked. He's fingering me. He's, his clothes are all on because I'm like, he will not be addressed until I have mm-hmm. a good time. At least like maybe not come, but like at least get rowdy enough to want to. Right. Like my thing with guys is like, I might not fuck you, but I could always be convinced. If you get me horned up enough mm-hmm. that I want to blow you or fuck you, good job. And I'm <laughs> I'm always open to that. Right. So just like we don't you don't have to decide going into things, girls or guys. Like get us juiced up enough and we will want a dick in us. Right. I will demand it. But this guy wasn't putting in the effort. We were both tired. He wasn't that into it. He was fingering me kind of lazily. He just wanted to fuck me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, you haven't earned it. Right. So I looked down at one point and his dick was out. And I was like, How, when did this thing come out? <laughs> And I literally, and I'm not joking you, I looked down because I was straddling him. He was on the bed laying. I was straddling him to- completely naked, right? I'm completely naked. He has on a three-piece suit. Like, he is fully dressed. Uh-huh. His dick is out. And I go, seriously, put it away. Put it, And he goes, really? And I go, it will not be acknowledged tonight. Like, it's not happening tonight. Like, it's it's just not. I was like, keep fingering me. He puts it away. It comes out again. And I'm like, I'm not joking you. <laughs> Put it away. And he had, to, he had to button it up again. And guess who's still texting me and who this I'm guy. still going to hook up with probably next week. Like, who knows? Like, it is not off the table with this guy. But right. now he knows he has to fucking earn it. Mm-hmm. Guys have to show effort and then they can get fucked. But I'm tired of blowing guys that yeah. don't put in effort. And I'm not talking about buying me dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about texting me all the time or being my boyfriend. I'm just treating me nicely. Right. But in, and it's also being true to yourself and being yes! in the moment of not, like. I was drying up and yeah. it wasn't his fault. It wasn't because he wasn't hot or it was because he wasn't doing a good job or because I didn't want him. It just my, physically I just wasn't into it. Mm. And I, I will not put a dick in my mouth unless I want one there. I will not do it anymore. And if I do put a dick in my mouth and while I have a dick in my mouth, I'm like, I don't want this here. I will stop. I will stop 
and go, I don't want to do this. It's uncomfortable to address it, but it's more uncomfortable to take a dick when you don't want it. So girls, let's start a new movement of not doing things with dicks unless we want to. I know it's. It just sounds like it's, it that sounds should revolutionary. Be the, I know and it sounds like that should be the way it is, but right. it is not the no, way it is. Not. We have to change this. Take. Don't wait till you're 34 to get on board. I should have been doing this in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I would. We I would feel so been. much more. And alcohol plays a big part in it because I can drink enough, and then sucking a dick seems yeah. like a good idea. Right. And there are dicks that I've been in my mouth that I didn't want there. To quote my friend Lisa Traeger, she has a joke about. Uh, uh, she was talking about a blowjob or something to a guy friend and she's like and then I realized I was like didn't even want to suck his dick and he goes wait a second why were you sucking a dick if you didn't want to and she's like he goes have you had, have you sucked dick that you didn't want to and she's like oh yeah almost like all of them and she goes wait a second why do I have dicks in my mouth I don't want there like what is that yeah. and every woman every, has done totally. it every single woman and that's not because we're being raped or because mm-hmm. these guys have done something no, we wrong. Do it. It's something we, we do to ourselves. We like these guys sometimes, but sometimes you don't want a dick in your mouth. And girls, let's just all promise ourselves to not have a dick in our mouths if we don't want one. That's all you got to do from now on. You wouldn't eat something you aren't in the mood to eat. Right. You know, like you really wouldn't. You'd go, why am I eating? Like this isn't, right. this is just, you know, the second you are like, I'm always hungry and always want to mm-hmm. eat because it's emotional for me. But like the second you realize like, Oh, I'm not hungry. You know that relief where you go, oh, I can put this down. Yeah, Let's yeah. have that with dicks. Let's put down the dicks. Let's put down the dicks when we don't need them. <laughs> I love it. I love it too. Okay. So we are, we don't have enough time to do everything. Keep going. Keep going. You're good. You're good. Are you sure? Yes. Positive. Okay. Um, so we have some questions and then we also have just mirror everyone. So I'm just going to like do, we'll just do a couple questions and a couple just mirror everyone's. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm literally, let me just, we can go till... Are you, you sure? Go, yes. Yes. Pause. Okay. Perf. Perfect. Then. Um. All right. Let's take some questions. Yeah. That people sent in on Patreon. I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Allison Rosen. It's where you go. There's different reward levels. You can get um bonus stuff, behind the scenes stuff. Uh, you can get your questions in ahead of the line, and there's bonus episodes and um so much access to me. You'll beg me to leave you alone. Okay. When we ask, they send them in They're wondering how you have been So thanks so much for answering These questions from our fans Carlos Alfaro would like to know Roasts, how does it work in terms of knowing where to draw the line With certain celebrities and also with your fellow roasters? Okay Mm. Great question A lot of times um, there are things that uh, the their PR people like demand like you can't joke about this thing mm. like um I don't know that I can give an example but like legal things that you can't joke about like or scandals. like yeah scandals where like these there are some really big celebrities on these roasts and they have people around them that are protecting them from calling out the thing that everyone wants to talk right. about and on the first I did the roast of Rob Lowe and I made a joke that I wasn't allowed to make knowing it wouldn't air but I'm like I'm not going to be told I can't address you having a sexual assault allegation against you right like that seems wrong for as a woman for me to not call out in front of at least the people who are here presently Mm -hmm. i knew it wouldn't air but like and then um and then there are other things where it's like i had a joke that i just did on conan um last week about that i was gonna do on the bruce willis roast but i didn't do which was like i feel close to bruce willis because i look like i'm just close i'm just off enough looking to be one of his daughters and i think we can all acknowledge acknowledge his daughters are hot but they're not like as 
like they're all they're, they're not classic we're, we're off hot mm-hmm. we're so close to being hot <laughs> which is almost worse than being just ugly because you can like you can taste it but you can't have it you're just a little bit like uh, my joke was that like our 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 dad's dna won out over our hot moms in the end it was a battle and our mom some of our mom stuff got through but not all of it and um and i didn't do that because ever i was practicing the joke a lot and a lot of men were like you can't do that the girls are gonna be there and i'm like but i'm saying they're hot yeah and they are hot mm. and we should be lucky to be even as hot as we are i'm i'm saying that we're not tens mm. but like eights eights should be happy they're eights because there's a lot of numbers beneath you you right. could have been. So what is the thing that I'm that is so bad about being an eight? Um, and so then I decided to do it on, on, on Conan because I was like, I regretted not doing that. So there's things that you pull back on just to not be so cruel, especially his daughters weren't on the, the stage. So right. I felt bad going after them. Lauren Kelly says, I love Marion and Luigi. Is it hard for you being away from them? Does your family like taking care of them? And do Marion and Luigi miss each other when they're not living together? Um, they don't miss each other because they both have a dog in their respective households. Mm-hmm. Marion lives with my mom and dad and Luigi lives with my sister and brother-in-law. They live uh, close enough distance wise and they see each other. But now they each have a dog in their own home that might that were previously there that are now like their their mm-hmm. brother and sister. And so they've they get along when they see each other. Like I was back home last uh two weeks ago visiting and they and Luigi and Marion I was like oh it's so funny they haven't seen each other as long as I haven't seen them it doesn't even matter yes they still see each other and um I miss them but like not as much as I thought I would and I have a joke in my act now but like I giving up my since giving up my dogs who I loved more than I, I no, ever I thought I could yeah. love any creatures I literally feel like I'm living life like Casey Anthony right now like <laughs> I really <laughs> If you look at my life, you'd be like, she never had dogs. She's living her best life. It is the best decision I ever made. They're happy. I'm happy. No were regrets. You tra- were you traveling too much or was it just I moved too much? to New York and I lived in a four floor walk up mm. with a, in a tiny apartment and they just weren't having the greatest life. And I had, I was having dog walkers and dog sitters and it, it just became so much to keep them happy. I was having people constantly in and out. Mm. I could never even masturbate because there was always going to be someone coming over to pick up the dogs to go walk. <laughs> and when I walked them, every time you walk your dogs, think about climbing up and down four flights yeah, of stairs. It became, I just started fantasizing about them dying. Like I was like, I can't wait till these dogs die. And I'm like, whoa, they're two years old. This is dark. <laughs> these are dark thoughts to right. be having. I got to find a way to get them out of my life. And I did. And I, it's the best decision I ever made. <sighs> Let's talk about the decision to live in a four, four story walk up. Ugh. Well, I don't regret it for the sense I didn't have to go to the gym. Like, yeah, it's really I, good exercise. I did like the the guilt you have about like I should go to the gym today. Never had it. Mm-hmm. Didn't go to the gym once in since January in living in New York. Didn't have to. Had the best body I've had in ages. Um, but I got the I got the apartment sight unseen. I decided to move to New York on a literal whim. I had my friend find it, and I found it on Craigslist. I had her go look at it. She was like, "It's amazing. It's a four floor walk up." But I was like, ah, "I'm ready for the exercise." What part of town was it? Uh, it's in Chelsea, mm-hmm. and um, and it's so tiny, so expensive. I got there on January 11th. I flew there, uh, landed at midnight, got to my apartment at 1 a.m. and sat on the couch that was left by the previous tenant and I cried because I was like what have I done my dog oh. Luigi was with me Marion wasn't there yet and I was like Luigi what have I done to our lives because we had the best lives in LA we had a house we had a yard and I was like what have I done like and then Pete Lee came over that night and like rubbed my back as I oh. wept just 
laughed crazy amounts. I just was sobbing. That was the that was the darkest it got for me. It was January 11th, 2018. Oh yeah, you said January. That's February, I was already yeah. so depressed, and then I moved across the country to a tiny apartment that I was paying more for than in LA, mm-hmm. and it cost me thousands of dollars to move. Right. I was starting a new job. It, it was dead of winter. It was awful. Um, but then I, you being in New York, you quickly get used to like a tiny apartment and then you're like, Oh, this is actually really I big. Mi- See, I missed, like I have fantasies of moving back. I love it. And I, and I'm, I think I'm going to be bi-coastal in, in the new year. I'm going to have a place in, in both, but I, I love New York and I never will not want to live there in some way. It's, it's the greatest. And, uh, and you don't have to go to the gym cause you walk so fucking much. <laughs> I miss it. Okay, here's another roast question. Seth Eisenberg says, on the Bruce Willis roast, when the others would insult you with a, a leading skinny this or hot that, you acted flattered. Is that a defense mechanism? Just enjoying the creativity or honest reaction? Love everything you do. I mean, I, I, have, to, I have to weigh in on this. Yeah. You act, those are compliments. Yeah, I mean, it was great. All of, all <laughs> of the, I mean, all the jokes that were like, you know, Sybil Shepherd was like, when I saw Nikki backstage, I walked into the bathroom and I saw this girl from behind and I thought, oh, my God, that's a model. And then when she turned around, I go, nope, that's a comic. <laughs> and so I was like, OK, that was a joke about my face not being as good as my body. But you also said my body was great. And so I'll right. take it like I was obviously flattered. But I will say it really hurt my feelings to be called ugly in so many different ways because they come after you. They either say you're fat, ugly or old. Mm-hmm. And I'm not fat or old right now or old enough yet right now. Um, and literally if I was 10 pounds heavier, they would call me fat. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense what they go after. Mm-hmm. Like you can't escape right, you any of those put in the category. Yes. So I, I got ugly a lot, which was which that so whatever crazy. Cause you're so not ugly. You're well, so thank pretty. you. But like they, they said some things that really hurt my feelings and I was Googling nose jobs and I'm still Googling nose jobs. Like I'm not going to get jobs since I was 15. I, exactly. So like it got to me. I didn't think it would like, I was like, they can say whatever. I'm confident. I'm beautiful. I'm all these things. But like it, did get to me because people when a whole room laughs when they say you look like owen wilson you go well there's maybe some truth to that <laughs> oh, no, I've and never there thought is that about you it, it's real let's talk about nose jobs for a second yeah do you think you would ever do it my thing is like if i were gonna do it i needed to do it a while ago because it's gonna be so obvious if i you know yeah walk in a room or have a picture taken of me you know eight weeks later and I look different. Yeah. That where what I say to that is that I would just say I got a nose job. Yeah. Like I would just be honest about it because it's like, I would admit I'm wearing makeup. I admit that I go to the gym. I admit that I do. I admit that I got Invisalign. Like you do all these things to look better. Yet you have to lie about braces, right? Your, the face stuff you do. Um, so I would not be, that would, that would have held me back before. But what holds me back now is that like your nose especially if you have like a, a a larger nose it's like a tent pole for the skin on your face mm. and when you lower the tent then the rest of your skin it's propping up think it's about pulling that. up skin yeah so when it drops you're gonna have sagginess sagginess mm. and so so it's vanity that prevents you from getting a nose job <laughs> it really it 
essentially it is. It, in the end, it is. And I'm just too scared of what it might look like. You know, though, they do nose jobs now with injections. Yes. So I might get this filled in to just be a bigger, right. not like to just a most straighter. So it would push the tent up even more mm-hmm. and maybe lift. And that's not permanent. So because that my fear yes. also is that, like, what if I hate it afterwards? I got my lips done in December. I got like lip injections. They're gone already. They, they go away. That's the greatest thing, though, is like now you can just get these things done. And it's like it's as risky as like a funky haircut. Yeah. You know, like it'll go away. Right. And it might not be good for a couple months but you can just be like oh well fuck i've fucked up i just got and my lips were way too big on the top for like and i looked like a platypus like i hated it for like two months so i won't do it again but i needed to know i I needed to know i think with the nose for some reason i also have this like i even though some part of me really would like to have a different nose and would be more confident and would think that i would look better with a different nose there's a part of me that's like I don't want to let other people's beauty standards make me get surgery. Yep. It's like a weird, it's, I'm, I feel weirdly like very in conflict about it. Like I want to be true to myself and have, even though I also would like to have a different nose, but it's like, I can't reconcile that. I know. And that's the thing about like when you get, but uh, I just say people go be happy with what God gave you that someone had a he had a vision for your face I'm like no he fucking did it and guess what (laughs) you didn't say that when I wanted to get braces you're like let's fix these things as soon as possible yeah I mean it's weird where we draw the line it is weird I I don't begrudge anyone getting plastic surgery I think that it obviously can become addictive and I'm addicted to the idea of like you don't have to look the way you like you can look any way you want now if you have enough money no celebrities that's the thing people that think celebrities are just born looking like that they're all having plastic surgery at very young ages i know and good plastic surgery so you don't recognize it people that when i talk about getting a nose job or getting my lips done people go oh my god don't and i go you won't even notice if i do it because Mm -hmm. it'll i've had friends get stuff done and i find out years later i'm like you do that and they're like yeah i get those i get injections and i'm like have i ever noticed and they go you know the only thing people say when i get it done is you look great. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you eating? What they do, it's so subtle they don't even fucking notice. So interesting. And every celebrity gets stuff done. I feel like every, every celebrity one gets, of them. gets subtle nose jobs. Yeah. They're all they all have them. They mm-hmm. all have them. And um Blake Lively would not oh, yeah. have her career if she did not have the nose job she had um when she had it. And it's like so blatantly obvious mm-hmm. that she had a nose job. It's crazy. She's totally different. Totally, totally different. different. Well, not totally different, but she her looks, nose looks totally different. She goes from being like a normal pretty girl right. to like a celebrity pretty girl. Yeah. And it's like, it's, that's, that's the nose job I look at that I'm like, maybe that's holding me back. Like that, <laughs> I, I, if I got that little thing done with that, right. but then what would it, what would it bring me? Yeah. Do you know if a guy started liking me post nose job, I'd be like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. You didn't like me before. Right. Because there's things I've been doing recently that like improve the way I look. And I'm like, and I've had guys that come sniffing around and maybe it's because I'm getting a little bit more famous. I have guys interested in me now that wouldn't have talked to me mm. like either 10 pounds, whatever it was where I'm like, fuck you. Like, I'm not even interested in you. Right. The, the guys that I would get this stuff done to attract, I don't even want anymore because I see through you're shallow mm-hmm. and you didn't like me when I didn't have that stuff going on. So it, it's weird. It's like, what do we do it for? Cause then right. I just get mad at the things that want me after I get it done. <laughs> okay. So now here are some questions that came in on Twitter and, uh, because we are pressed for time. I'm just, okay. 
Oh, here's here's one I like. The great one. How many hours of sleep does she get each night? Is it the same as before she started doing radio? Yeah, it's the same. I I get in my I'm very big about sleep. And some nights I'm just, you know, I'm up at three in the morning and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to get up in three hours. And you know what I just say to myself? Yeah, you're going to get a good nap in. Just take it for what it is. Don't stress about it. Be like, only three hours. Be like, okay, I'm going to get a good nap. And then later on, I'm going to catch up by napping some more. And I will say that meditation is extremely restful. And it has taken the place of naps for me. I used to be a big napper. And now I don't need to because um, 20 minutes of meditation is like taking like a two-hour nap. Like it's the equivalent of that much sleep. Like it's very restful. Um, but yes, I get the same amount of sleep. I need to, I need to and swap out my naps for meditation. Oh, you will. You won't even need to swap. You'll just start meditating, and you'll be like, I can't. I can't nap anymore. I don't need to. That's amazing. And I used to love naps. I still love them, but I just don't need to. They don't. It doesn't occur to me. Joe says the time I saw Nikki Glaser in Milwaukee, John Dore went noticeably <laughs> over his time. I Did saw Nikki ever talk to him afterwards to find out what happened? I remember Nikki having to dodge the chips John had covered the stage with while wearing heels. She called it his edgy chip comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I um I remember this so well because it was a, the Sklar brothers had invited me and John Dore to open for them at this big uh, venue. And John Dore was supposed to do 10 minutes or 20 minutes. And I think he did 48. Like it was so oh, wow. over the light. But he is not a light runner. Like mm-hmm. he's not an asshole. And so we were all just perplexed of like what is going on. He just had no concept of time, which I still can't even understand. It was one of the greatest. I tell that story all the time because no one has ever gone over by more than double in my life of yeah. doing comedy. And it, it, to have it with John Dore was so funny. I wasn't even mad because it was funny and I knew it wasn't, he's not someone who's ego driven, like I'm killing so hard, I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. The Sklars and I were like, we want him to keep going just to see how crazy this <laughs> right. can get. So uh, yeah, no ill will. But it's always fun to hear like uh, something you said when you're like, oh, I don't even remember him putting ch- like- Edgy chip comedy, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, his, his edgy, but that is as edgy as John Dore gets and I'm jealous of it because he's so funny and he doesn't have to go blue. Libby says, what are the big, this is a, a, like I say question. What are the biggest hurdles she finds being a female in an historically male dominated profession? And how has her experience changed as the industry is evolving? I don't know any other experience. So I don't know why, why it's more difficult or less difficult. I will say that um, I think people write you off early on when they don't know who you are and they just see you're you're a woman so people go oh I don't like female comics so I think that kind of prevents people from taking us seriously but then the most discouraging thing is just how many women come up to me and say like I don't normally like female comics but you were great like it is literally men don't say that anymore mm-hmm. women only say that and it happens all the time and that's the most discouraging thing but um really it's I think it's only I've, I'm just so grateful to be a female stand-up in a time where female stand-ups are killing it so hard. And I just feel like I have the best job and I get to be outspoken in a time where women are being listened to. And it's just like the greatest. I, I couldn't have timed it better. Chrissy Moore says, please, please, please ask her what Ice-T's answer was on Match Game that got censored. It was about... <sighs> I don't know if you're, you're going to remember, but it was about James Bond opening a pet store called Pussy Galore and all the cats were blank. ABC bleeped it beyond recognition and we're dying to know what he said. It's got to be shaved. Oh, yeah. Or wet. Or cunts. <laughs> yeah, like literally it was something like that. It Honestly, 
let me just tell you, they blur things so that there's this controversy around it. Oh, it's, interesting. It, it, a blur is actually funnier than maybe what he wrote, you know, and more right. and, and getting tweeted about more than what he would have written. So sometimes they will choose to blur things just to create controversy that there isn't. That is but so I'm guessing it's shaved. And uh, Demian Cordova, always a great guest. At, at great guest. Ask her to tell the story about the woman who bit the security guard in San Francisco. I was at that show. Oh, my God. Yeah, there was a woman who I was talking about moms or like people being moms. And I didn't even say anything. I have nothing bad to say about moms. I love moms and I respect them. But this girl goes, I'm a mother. And I was like, great. I go, we all are. We all have some mother in our lives. Cool. And then I just remember her being belligerently drunk and just being, I'm a mother and being offended at something I said. And I go, yeah, you're, and you're also not allowed at the show anymore. You have to leave. And I'm like, I'm not going to continue until she's escorted out. And then she got uh, escorted out and she bit the cop on the tit. And he had a, he <laughs> oh had a bite God. right next to his nipple. And I took a picture of it and posted it online. He went to court. He took her to court. I think it was a big thing. And I think, uh, yeah, she, she had an assault charge from getting thrown out of my show. Wow. Yeah. I'm a mother. And I was like, cool. Congratulations. <laughs> I feel so sorry for your children. Yeah. I think that was my point was like anyone who has a, is their mom is the woman who heckles at a show. And right. I was like, you those poor kids. Ugh. Uh, okay. Joshua Gemini. Describe what your mindset is and how you respond physically when you have T minus five minutes to go on. And how important is that first joke to calming you down? I literally don't think about what I'm going to say on stage until I literally grab the microphone. Like I'm, I'm my ex-boyfriend was always really like, he would always tell people like, it's so weird. Glazer can be like in a conversation and literally they'll be like Nikki Glazer. And she'll be like in the middle of a thought and just walk away from it and walk on stage. Like I don't give it any thought anymore. If I'm doing like a late night set, mm-hmm. then I'm like, you know, I'm doing my mantra. I'm kind of like breathing. I'm, I'm visualizing things. I'm in the moment, but like, I I do comedy four sometimes four times a night mm-hmm. like it doesn't I can break into it on on a dime I don't do any preparation do you ever get stage fright no did you go through a period yes. of time? yeah I was crippled by it as a child like I would have to I would do class presentations during recess I would my parents had me it arranged so that I could do my presentations to the teacher alone during recess because I shook so much in front of kids I, my, right. my whole body would sh- tremor and um my mom was gonna give me classes for it because she was like how is she gonna go to high school and college and like give presentations and um and then i but then i also knew that i wanted to be an actress so one day i was like i have to audition for the play like i don't care what happens like i have to do it so they my parents called to arrange a, a private audition for me because i couldn't do it in front of other students <laughs> that's amazing and I got cast in a play and then that um, forced me to kind of conquer my fear because I knew that like what I wanted was on the other side of that. Right. But I was literally I had crippling stage fright. The worst like you me in seventh grade, you would have never been able to predict that this is what I do for That's a living. So you would be like she will do the opposite of that because I was so shy. And so now if you have an audition, you don't get nervous. Oh, yeah, I definitely do. I get stage fright. It's the opposite now. If if I have to perform for like one or two yeah. people, then I get really nervous. I bomb audition. I don't audition anymore. Like I, unless it is something that is like I want a lot and I have time to prepare for, mm-hmm. I don't audition because I don't. I'm I've never booked anything from an audition. Yeah. Literally anything you've ever seen me in is because I someone asked me 
to do it. Right. It wasn't an audition situation because I will I will disappoint you in an audition. Yeah, I'm the same. I used to audition a lot and I don't anymore. And some of it is like changing representation and stuff. But yeah. I'm always like, I'm probably a handful of phone calls away from getting back into that world if I, not like booking the jobs, but auditioning again yeah. if I want. And then I'm like, but my life is so much calmer without all of it. It's so <laughs> much preparation. Yeah. And if you don't do all the preparation, you have no shot because you're going up against people who have put hours of work into this. But it's all, I don't know how it was for you, but for me, it was always like, you have an audition tomorrow. There's never enough time right. to prepare. And I didn't even, I didn't know. I wish it's I had so- known. I didn't realize that people get coaches. Like, of course they do. Yeah. And they have someone you run do through. It. Yeah. So I never did that. So, so I you just have to pay sucked. hundreds of dollars and spend hours of your time to go in for less than five minutes. Right. And they go, thank you. And then you leave and then you dump, ev- literally you forget everything the second you walk out of the yeah. room. And the only way you find out that you didn't get the job is that you see it on TV eventually and it's not you. Right. And that is, it's the most unrewarding. There's so much rejection. And unless you really want it and you work tirelessly at it you're not gonna make it and for for us we do other things other than acting and we're going up against people who all they do is act right so i just threw up my hands and said no more yeah yeah that's smart by the way for the person who's like how did you not know they have coaches what i mean is of course everyone has acting coaches i mean like there are coaches that'll prep you for an audition last minute i wouldn't have thought that either right no but there but that's exactly what happens okay and lastly Oh, my my old age eyes cannot read this name. I think it's Tom. Tom <laughs> wants to know, ask her what she thought the creepiest segment was from Not Sure. Not, not, not safe. safe. Had to be either her parents' lie detector tests about sex or attending the foot fetish party. No, it was neither of those, even though those were both creepy and uncomfortable. Asking my dad um, if he's ever heard me have sex was extremely uncomfortable and I re- regretted like Have you come you? up with these yeah because I lived at home oh, it was yeah. just so gross oh god but like on paper that was such a funny segment because mm-hmm. we were thinking of questions like well ask my dad this and like I, I didn't even think and then I'm sitting across from my dad and right. I it was excruciating I was like why have I done this to myself <laughs> right but then the, the worst one was we did a thing where we were remaking guys dick pics because we're like dick pics are so disappointing let's like jazz them up a little mm-hmm. bit so we made these like dioramas that guys would put, <laughs> oh, put on their that. laps and put their dicks through yes. it the night before the shoot we have all these dioramas and we're talking to the art department who's made them and they're like um but these guys aren't going to be able to put their dicks in themselves because they're these big like doll houses that they set on their laps. And right. the dick comes up and we put a little beret on their dick with a little baguette <laughs> in its bag. And it's like a Paris scene with a dick. And they're like, who's going to put the help them? And we're looking around like we haven't designated anyone. I'm the host of the show. I'm the only person interacting with these guys. And I'm yeah. like, I guess I'll do it. So the next day I had to touch penises with Because you had gloves. to like, guide it in. Guided in, put little one. We had a, a dick resting in a bathtub, like a spa <laughs> dick, and I'd put little cucumbers on the dick's <laughs> eyes. Like I and I like. There's a scene in it where I go, "I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor," because I just had to like go to a place of like this right, is clinical. clinical. Um, and we, I feel like I got me too that day by myself, and my whole staff got me too by myself because we did not know that these guys. Any guy who answers a Craigslist ad, like, do you want to have your dick on TV right. for a comedy segment, is psycho. And so we were just with these guys all day that had their dicks out. A lot of them were porn stars, and we had to, like, be around open dicks. And it was we, – we all left, like, wanting to take showers. It was, like, a disturbing but day on mm-hmm. my set, but it was, like, a very – 
cohesive day. We all came together in in trauma that day. It was it was. Uh, You're all survivors. Yeah, we were. Nikki Glazer, it was so fun catching up with you. So fun catching up. What are, are we going to play? Me or you or everyone else? Well, do you? I want I to. Had, okay, I decided that we don't have time, but if you want to, we can. I, I want to. We have five minutes, right? Yeah. We can do it. We can do it in five minutes. Okay. Is that okay? Oh, yes. I want to play. Okay. You tempted me and now I'm like, we got to do it. <laughs> All right. Let's do just me or everyone. And this is where people send in things they think or do and they wonder, is it just me or is yeah. it everyone? Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Bruised by Dawn says, always appreciate a noisy bathroom fan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. So much. Yeah. Otherwise, you got to run the water and it's pretty obvious. I think that it would be so good to just always have a machine going in. Like, there should be some kind of device that is constantly making noise, a clattering. What if it there. was just like a constant fart sound? That would be so great. I know. I, I mean, I that's the worst is when the, I... um. What do I do? I I run the water. I just feel like there's so much water being wasted by girls yeah. pretending to like be washing their hands when they're taking a shit. Lori Kilmartin, you know how it takes a little while for the water to warm up if yeah. you're taking a shower. She collects that water and uses it to water her plants. Oh my god, she's she's doing she's doing the I know. work. I, I mean know. that is really nice. I don't do it. I don't do anything like that. I just let it run. Ugh, god. I'm the worst about what, like all of this, but yeah, that, that, uh, yeah. Making any kind of noise in there is such a good idea. Oh, I hate when people can hear me in the bathroom, but usually I just muffle it with toilet paper. If I have to fart, I put it over my butthole and fart into the toilet paper. Oh yeah. It muffles it big time. I've never put a physical muff. I never put a mute on my butt. Pull your ass cheeks apart so that it's like, as opposed to a, but sometimes your asshole can make that sound anyway. Yeah. Muffle it. Muffle like like you're trying to chloroform your asshole. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, this is brilliant. Yeah. I, I have never done this. Um, I've talked before about the shame that I feel if I accidentally fart in a public restroom. Oh, and yeah. And it's like. I don't care about that anymore. Really? Mm-mm. That's good. I do. Sometimes I do it at a show where I'm the headliner <laughs> and it's the people in the stalls are patrons that are about to see me and they look. And, and you're I'm fine like, with it? Yeah. I'm always like, I guess now I have to stay in here till everyone leaves. Nope. Nope. You farted. Who cares? Yeah. We all do it. I mean, and my understanding is that in guys' restrooms, it's just a fart free for all. It's gotta be. Yeah. I bet they fart while they're peeing and that it's fine. They fart in front of each other all the time, even when they're not oh in a bathroom. God. I farted I- yesterday and shit my pants. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I did. Sorry. I really did. I, I thought... Where, it, could I, you go home? Yeah. I was literally walking into my hotel. Oh, so I was like, thank God. But I used the lobby bathroom to clean up. And yeah. then I... On the way up... And, the, and I wasn't wearing underwear because I'm out of underwear because I like haven't done laundry in two weeks because I've like been on the road. Be better though. I don't know. It was Otherwise. crazy. But like, I would have just thrown away my underwear then right. and I would have had clean pants yeah. to then walk. But I just had my shit pants and shit shorts, I should say. And um, yeah... Uh, shit my pants yesterday. Are you afraid to fart now? Because I know no, someone this it was, happened to. I knew, I knew this was, I, I knew, knew I was risking it and uh-huh. I chose to risk it at a place where I was like, I'll be safe right. if this goes the way I think it might go. And it, it went that way. It did. It Adam you. says, instead of milk and cookies, we always left a salami sandwich out for Santa Claus. 
We yeah, that's just you. Yeah, I think that might just be that's you. insane. But I like that. I mean, I like that idea. Yeah, I. Li- I mean, your parents are eating it. I hate yeah. to break this to you, but like, <laughs> that's who's gonna. It's whatever your parents want, right? Uh, okay. Jmos for a rose says, when I make a typo on my phone, try to guess which additional letters will lead to the right autocorrect, rather than just going back and getting the word right. Right. Yeah, I had a real hell of a time with Mediterranean the other day. Ooh, yeah, that should just automatically correct. And it wasn't. It was driving. Wow, you me must nuts. have really yeah. been fucking. I know. It up. I know. I start with an M, you, right? you have no idea <laughs> where know. what I'm trying yeah. to say right now. Um, I hate when you autocorrect or like you say something like say, um, uh, let's meet at the park, but it sends bark or whatever. Mm. And you go, and then you try to correct and it to it bark, bark and it writes again. bark yeah. and you go bark, but you keep saying bark <laughs> and, and then I just write, insane. God damn it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Same. Eric says, whenever I pass a sports car on the highway in my sensible four door family sedan, I feel like such a badass. Hmm. I, I could see that, like when you pass a sports car in your not sporty car, but I don't... You I don't, feel like a badass or I would feel lamer. But also, I guess you just feel like, oh, I'm above that. I don't need that to prove... Well, I think you're, like you're, like you're faster than they are. Oh, when you yeah. pass them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, feels good. Yeah, not just see them. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah that feels... That's got to feel great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Nina Hartley says, and it's not the porn. Everyone keeps asking, is that the porn star? No, different Nina Hartley. If my 16-month-old falls asleep in the car, even for only five minutes, I can forget about getting her to nap in her crib for the rest of the day. I can speak to this one. Yes. If he falls asleep in the car and then wakes up on the way in, he's not going back down in the in Oh, the I crib. know this from having a nephew. Yeah. yeah. They're not going back down. You got to get them. You got to transition to them without waking up, which is... right. Very hard. Yeah. Dave Shepperton says, in a cafe when I'm working with my earbuds in and a song comes on the stereo that I have in my music library, I play that song and try to sync it up on my headphones. I'm guessing that really is it just me and not everyone. Yeah, I don't do that. I think that's insane to do. That sounds really difficult to do. Why would you do that? Because you want it to just be completely stereo, like everything. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that just seems like a waste of time. But I respect it. Mm Mm-hmm. It just seems impossible. Sarah Simmons says, when I get a new lip gloss, I automatically have to clean out my purse. No. I love that you do that, but nothing will make me clean out my purse. No, me neither. Unless I'm donating it. Yeah. Dan, so Elliot got into my my wallet, which is a big mess. And uh, Daniel's like, I want, you know, he, he guessed that I probably have receipts in there from 2013. I didn't and, actually. Uh, I was, surprisingly, I didn't. But it was a fair guess. Yeah. I am really yeah. bad at cleaning shit out. I've gotten better about it since reading that Marie Kondo book. Like, mm-hmm. I, I forced myself to do it, but still not good at it. And, um, and yeah, I'd really, uh, God, I would love to know what was the most ridiculous thing you had in there. Where you're like, why do I need this? Like, you had, had talked about punch cards in, your, in the oh, thing I still, that you had written. I still have those. Yeah. I, th- that was one of them. In fact, I found a punch card from, uh, that's probably from 2013. Yeah. So he's and not like, wrong. But I, might, but I might go back to that gas station. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's for that, that car wash. That car wash. I might go back to that car wash and there's already two punches on it. God, you've been carrying around that card for so many years for no reason. That car wash is probably not even still there. No, probably not. I have that. I have um I have expired credit cards and oh, I just yeah. haven't cut up yet. Movie pass? Yeah. I n- I've never had movie pass. Um but 
all sorts of cards that I'm never going to need. Anything nostalgic, like, I don't hold on to those things anymore. Because now I realize, like, they don't mean anything. Like, take a picture of it, and if you want to go back, look at it. But, like, this ribbon that I won when I was in, it doesn't, it's going to be gone just like I will someday. Just say goodbye to it now. It's, I don't hold That's, it. This is helpful like, for me to hear because we're moving and I'm having such a hard time. You gotta get rid of all that shit because I promise you, you won't miss it. I know. All this nostalgic things of like, but this was Someone a necklace that me. I wore yeah. on, or, um, oh, this is a receipt from that thing. That, get rid of it. Right. It's, you, you had the moment with it, look at it, cherish it, and kiss it goodbye because you won't think about it again. All right. Ever. Maybe. Take Maybe a picture of it. Nikki Glazer. It was so fun catching up with you. So fun catching up with you. Tell everyone where they can find you and plug anything you'd like to plug. Nikki Glazer, N-I-K-K-I-G-L-A-S-E-R on Instagram, Twitter, NikkiGlazer.com for tour dates. And um, I have a show on Sirius XM every morning, Monday through Thursday from 10 to 12 a or 12 p- 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Uh, Eastern on Sirius XM Channel 95 Comedy Central Radio. It is a great show. I did it. It was yeah, super fun. Yeah, you'll be back. Listen to I would love to come back. Oh my God, please. I have a book out, Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me. If you go to my website, AllisonRosen.com, plenty of places to click. It'll take you right to Amazon where you can get it available in all formats, t-shirts, ringtones, everything, all the information you want available on my website, AllisonRosen.com. Thank you so much for being on the show, Nikki. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go.